play. play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Well, g'day, guys. It is your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C. Here. I'm not only the commissioner of this league, but I'm also the owner GM of the Carabao Kings franchise. And look, for those of you who stumbled into the podcast for the first time or haven't been here many times, let's explain what the Astro League is. The Astros were an American football team in Canberra in the ACT Australia. And after our playing days and we folded away and and didn't play anymore, we began a fantasy football league. And over time, it's evolved in shape and size and members to become a real unicorn. It is 16 teams, which is kind of weird. The scoring's kind of weird too, so quarterbacks get a six-point passing touchdown, 300 yards of passing will get them an extra point as well. And then for players who catch a ball, you get half a point per reception, a bonus point for 100 yards of receiving, and any player who gets 100 yards of rushing will also get a bonus point. So some weird scoring, but also we're 100% owned by Aussie owners, which contributes to us being such a unicorn. We're NFL, we're fantasy, and we're Aussie. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. Now, look, there's always plenty of content going on there and a lot of ways to interact with the show, so I'd urge you to hop on, have a look around, and definitely feel free to post a few comments and ask a few questions on there because we have great guests on like Taylor and, of course, Sheriff Seahorse to ask questions of, and they would really love to get the interaction. Now, what's on the show in Week 11? We're going to recap Week 11. And we're going to look forward to Week 12 by having a look at the standings both the overall ones and the divisional ones. We've had a trade as well this week, which is great. And then we'll also check in with some news around injuries in the league and in our own league as well. A couple of headlines there. Just don't lose it. This is the Astro League, your Astro League podcast. Fantasy football. Yeah, boy. So I can't think of a better place to start than with a little bit of news. This one, sadly, in terms of milestones, it's my team that has the one milestone this week, the Carabao Kings. 80th all-time win in regular season franchise history. It does place the Carabao third in the overall. Ryan and the Cornhuskers franchise still at 82 in second place and our gold medal goes to Brendox and the Birdmen with 88. But I'm trying to chase them both down. And in terms of trades too, I was very fast to get onto the Instagram video and also I posted it up in the Facebook. But there was a trade between the Squazmongers and El Chacal. Now they're both in the same division, which makes this an interesting trade because Squazmongers are at the top and looking to solidify their lineup to try and make sure they get that playoff spot all sewn up. They're a game ahead of their opponent this week, the Cornhuskers, and looking to stay that way. But also for El Chacal, trying to just bolster their lineup by getting more guys who are starting level and it will actually hopefully serve to just help the Squazmongers along too because if you can see El Chacal start to win a few games against rivals of Scoresmongers, it will only further solidify his trip in, but also make El Chacal feel pretty good about himself. Old Jackal, it was his birthday the other day when he got beaten by about a tenth of a point, which was just phenomenal, the timing and the result. So hopefully that will make him feel better about himself in there too. But what we see here is El Chacal, he gives away Nelson Aguilar and Ezekiel Elliott, and they go off to the Scoresmongers, but in return, the Squawsmongers give away Miles Gaskin, Duke Johnson, and DJ Chark. So they give away some really useful guys to get a real solidification 
Nelson Aguilar has been terrific in the receiving game lately. Ezekiel Elliott obviously had a good game this week. He's had an up and down season, but you know he's a sixth overall running back in our scoring. So this is definitely a trade which helps El Chacal just boost more parts of his lineup. And for TC, it really helps premiumize parts of his lineup. So trades that are good for both teams. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. Now, of course, there have been some injuries in the league through the week. Some will have bigger fantasy implications than others, but I can't start without mentioning the biggest name injury, and that is Joe Burrow, the rookie quarterback in Cincinnati. He had been on a starting lineup for the Cornhuskers this week, and he's done some big damage. It's an ACL, and he's going to be out for the season and will be struggling to get himself ready to start next season. For me, I think it just downgrades utterly everybody on that Cincinnati Bengals offense because I think Ryan Findlay or whoever it is they can get in there to try and run this offense for the rest of the year is going to be a significant downgrade on this pretty nice-looking quarterback. Of course, when Tua came out of the game on the weekend as well, he was looking pretty uncomfortable. There was no injury designation on him, but he did get yanked and, and Fitz went in to finish that game out against Washington, and it was just kind of all a bit of a weird thing. I don't think we're going to see a designation on tour, and I think he will be good to go next week. So for anyone who was nervous about that, I think, you know, put that to rest. Of course, Philip Rivers was another big quarterback injury here. He had a toe injury through that game in that weird fourth quarter against the Green Bay Packers. He says he's sore, but okay. And I think looking at his career, aside from that one season he lost to an ACL, he's missed zero games. He doesn't miss games for small stuff. He powers through it, and I think he'll be okay. The other quarterback that's worth mentioning here was Teddy, who looked like he was trying to get himself ready to play. And, of course, then he doesn't play. There's no big structural damage here. It really is a soreness thing. And it just, with how little he trained through the week, I was not surprised to see that Sunday came around and they mentioned that he was going to be active. And then all of a sudden he was inactive. And I wasn't actually all that surprised. Okay, some big-name wide receivers to have a quick look at here too. Julio Jones comes off with a hamstring in the second quarter. He rests it up. He tries to loosen it up again, and then he comes back in the fourth quarter, and people are like, hey, he's back. Maybe it's not so bad. Uh, Yeah, but he looked pretty bad. I mean, I've had games at wide receiver looking better than that, and I never had a hamstring injury. So, look, I think you've got to watch this space with Julio and follow his practice reports pretty closely, but have a plan to pivot to at wide receiver because it's not all... it, It just doesn't look great. The other wide receiver I thought was worth bringing up here was Juju. Now, it looks like he'll be okay. The only reason I bring it up is because he's on the short week. They play the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving against Baltimore in Pittsburgh. But Juju did this odd thing. He he hurt his foot or ankle by stepping on one of those officials' flags. And they're kind of like a little beanbag that's got, you know, all this material hanging off the end. So the idea is you can throw it. It's got some weight. It lands. It stays on the ground. doesn't get blown away. But... I'm just surprised this doesn't happen more often, actually, the more I think about it, especially in, like, that Indianapolis game where there were flags going everywhere in that fourth quarter. But, yeah, so he trips on one of them and hurts his foot, ankle, that kind of region. Um, and he says he's fine in post-game, and he practices early in the week. So I don't think there'll be any problem there, but it's just worth noticing, only because it's on the short week. And if you were going to temper expectations for Juju because of the matchup already, then here's another reason to temper expectations again. A couple of running backs to mention here. LaMichael Pirine, who just done a nice job for the Jets. He got a touchdown this week and was looking like he was starting to get a little bit more of the work share there. He hurts an ankle and it looks bad. They rule him out for the game straight away. He's out for this week, already ruled out by the team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again for the Astro League regular season. The last one I want to mention here is Sexy Rexy. Oh, Burkhead. He had a Burkhead moment last week when he scores 20 points with two first-half touchdowns. Then he has another different sort of Burkhead moment 
when he has a horrific ACL injury and that's going to be him done for the season. It's a real pity because he had really sort of started to really get a little bit of traction in that offense. I can't mention running backs without just saying, hey, that was weird about how Joe Mixon, who's been injured since week six, gets put on IR on the weekend before the games. You think, why not beforehand? But look, I think maybe the Bengals being a bit realistic about how the season was going, put him on IR before that game. And now that Mixon is out for the season, it was probably the best move. Uh, so sorry, Pete, because that one is you, Joe Mixon. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, we will get Taylor Talk in here in just a moment, but I want to do the Week 11 recap here. The Squazmongers kick off the North Division fight, and they do it against El Chacal. Squazmongers, of course, I mentioned he gets the win earlier in the week, and he does it against Jackal on his birthday by the narrowest of margins. Let me explain what happens here. El Chacal, he gets from Cam and Melvin Gordon and Zeke a combined 58 points and he starts to look pretty good but then from all others he only gets about 38 points and he winds up on 99.6 I say 99.6 because the point six is going to matter yeah you get Squazmongers who go out with Aaron Rodgers 27 points Derek Henry with 20 points and then a combination of Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett putting up 32 points he winds up with 99.74 And the interesting thing about this one is he gets the win, but he gets Aaron Rodgers has overtime and throws enough passes just to get enough points to get him over the line. But that wouldn't have even mattered if it wasn't for the Derrick Henry touchdown run in overtime over Baltimore. So he gets quite lucky twice here, and Jackal gets very unlucky twice on his birthday. Anyhow, sadly, it drops Jackal to 2-9, and Squazmongers to 6-5. and And it means that in this division, things couldn't have got much better for him because the Cornhuskers, who have less scoring than the Canberra Crusaders, get up and upset the Crusaders. They're both 4-6 and six going into the week. Now, Cornhuskers separates by getting up to 5-6, and six, even though he has a little bit less scoring than Tim Tim. It was Gibson with 16.5, Aaron Jones with 15.5, and, and, of course, Chase Claypool's 14, all very helpful. But the Crusaders could only manage 76.6, and the Cornhusker side ran away with it. Tyree killed 22.5, Mark Andrews 18, and J.K. Dobbins with 17. Now, tough week for the Cornhuskers because both Joe Burrow goes to IR, and J.K. Dobbins winds up with a positive COVID test, and he's going to be out all this week and probably next week. So it's just a, a real double blow there for the Cornhuskers, knowing that he's got squazmongers this coming week. All right, to the south, and this division is muddier than mud. Uh, let's kick it off with the Jizzpots and Struggle Town. Jizzpots come into the week six and four. They are leading the division in scoring, uh, but they start the week third in the division. And we've been terrified about this happening for weeks now. Kyla and Dalvin go out and put up another big score, 45 points between those two. You also get a combined 48 from Cup, Evans, and Lamb. So that's the two receivers and the flex just kicking butt there. Jizzpots goes out and puts up 126.8. He's the highest scoring team of the week. Struggle Town, a valiant effort. They put up 114 points, which is great. Woods and Thielen, 46 points between those two receivers. And of course, Struggle Town is our Guru Swami with the kickers. And he gets Yonwei Koo putting up another 13 points. You know, it's performances like this. Gurley gets like three, and it really lets him down. You know, the, the margin was 12, and he gets a regular sort of 14, 15 point game. All of a sudden, that is not the blowout kind of loss that it looks. But the thing here is it leaves both teams seven and four. And there's implications there because it means that Jizzpots jumps Struggle Town into second place in the division. And it would have jumped him in the first place. But going for Tua couldn't muster up much of a game against my Carabao Kings team. 60.4 total points for going for Tua. It's disappointing because now that's his seventh loss of the year. And it means he is absolutely mathematically eliminated. The champion is dead. I repeat, the champion is dead. Tom Brady scores 15. But everyone else, this is what my notes say. I had three 
frowny face emojis I just drew on the page. Little frowny faces for everybody else in Mark's team. Eight starters, managed 45 points, and Brady, he's the big scorer in there and he only has 15. It's just a disaster of a week. Absolutely horrible, toilet water sort of performance. And it couldn't come at a worse time because the old Carabao Kings, my side, we enter the week seven and four, get the win, move to, sorry, we enter the week seven and three, get the win, move to eight and three. And they scored 94 points, 10th in scoring on the week. And Tannehill's 23 was a nice return to form, but the gods, I call them, Chris Godwin and Dallas Goddard combined for 31 points. Fantastic stuff. So a score that was below average again nets me a win, and surely the luck's got to run out at some point. Over in the east, the Gnomes come into the week. Five and five, they're looking in position to try and make it a little uncomfortable for $10 Booker. If he can get the win, he keeps the pressure up. If $10 Booker get the win, of course, they pull away. But you know what? For the Gnomes, it couldn't have been better to play the last team in your division when you know you need a win. They've got to have it win. But you get it 36 points out of Deshaun Watson. Michael Thomas starting to look like himself with almost 16 points. And then, mate, this Blankenship kicker guy, Birdman has had him all year. He's kicked fantastically well. He got 13 on the week, and it helps Birdman along to 112 points. And it's just too much for the Gnomes. He gets 16 out of Justin Jefferson. He gets 23 out of Kelsey, including that wonderful late touchdown. But, you know, the minus 2.7 from Matt Ryan leaves him looking like he just shut his cleats all over again. I'm going to take Taylor's analogy here and just hammer it in. Matt Ryan, holy cow, what, what the utter hell is going on there? 88.6 for the Gnomes, and it, it just ends the season in a lot of ways for him because he moves to 5 and 6 and it means that he would have been two games behind $10 Booker after that result with only two games to go. And the gap in scoring is far too great. So it's almost two and a half games behind with two games to go. But you know what? $10 Booker just goes home and hammers in the final nail. Goes out and puts up 125 points, which was the second best score of the week. Absolutely vanquishes Playmaker, who managed about 90. Devante Adams with 21. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, he puts up 17 I, don't, I didn't put an emotion on my emoji face on that. I just left it with a straight line mouth because it's like, what? This guy was number one quarterback setting records for scoring last year. And what? What? 17? What? But, you know, Derek Carr played like an all-star. 27 points. DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson combined for 37. $10 Booker are stacked. They're looking great. And they're finding their way to play against teams who aren't putting up good scores either. So he's kind of got the best of both worlds. He's scoring well and he's playing Muppets. Here we are in the West now. This was meant to be the knife fight in the dark. I think it's a knife fight that's finished. Space Pirates get their win. They put up 107 points. They're not a dominating display, but you know what? Jiggity Jagged Edge. This is Pete's Jiggity Jig's old team. He was bringing the attitude. He's coming to the week six and four. Only a win behind Space Pirates, but the loss will probably end his season too. It makes it very hard. Kirk Cousins with 28 points. Tim Patrick well, I called it. I said Tim Patrick would have to have a weird week for things to go well, and he had 15 points. I was kind of hoping for 30 or something like that to try and make it a bit closer. That would have made it closer. But, you know, all others only managed about 40 points for Jiggity Jagged Edge. That's seven players only scoring about 40. But for the Space Pirates, Keenan Allen had a magic week, 27. Russ had a middling week at 21, but when CEH and your flex puts up 20, you know you're having a good week. And it kind of puts the knife in because the Vinegar Strokes, who were going to be the absolute kingmakers here, if they could beat Queensland football team, that would have been the it. That would have been it. That would have just put Space Pirates lock, stock, and two smoking barrels right into a playoff spot. I don't know that he isn't lock, stock, and two smoking barrels right into a playoff spot, but at least at the moment he's mathematically able to lose it. Queensland football team go up and put up 104 points, which is okay. Vinegar Strokes only managed 90, though. They get 31 from Jay Herbs, and I think the love affair is back on, even with that dicky haircut. I think you're going to see Taylor continue to, you know, pour affections that direction. But when Ridley and Jacobs combine for 24, Jacobs, they're not getting that goal line carry in that last drive where 
the Oakland Raiders go ahead by that touchdown pass to Waller. You know, it helps the uh, the jiggity jigs in that division. But gee, Vinegar strokes, they really could have used that. And on the other side of it, not only does he not get the touchdown there, but then Mahomes throws six of seven on the next drive. No rushing plays at all. Six of seven passing. Gets the touchdown pass. Scores 11 points on that drive. And the margin is 14 points. So that whole sequence there in that Raiders and Las Vegas game completely changed that result. All right, so now that we know where everybody is, that Western Division, of course, with Queensland football team getting the seventh win and being a strokes hitting their seventh loss and now now mathematically unable to get a wildcard spot. That's that for the Week 11 recap, and we'll have a look at the standings and we'll have a look at what's going on in the coming week in the next episode. But let's fire it up. Let's get Taylor in here. Let's go. How do you feel you went with your your calls last week? Oh, mate, uh, you'll you'll hear about it pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that multi bet. Wow, oh, one didn't even play. <laughs> one I'll give you a pass 15 on that. Yards. So it was there was was one from four. Um, and but yeah, it was it was great, and it, it pretty much it uh really set the tone for the rest of my week, really. I'll give you a pass on the guy who didn't play, but gee, yeah. the rest couldn't have done more to conspire against you. Absolutely. It was not. amazing. <laughs> Mate, oh, don't worry, I'll get into Duke Johnson at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've got my gripes with Duke Johnson too, so I think we're on a unity ticket here. But uh <laughs> I yeah, it's it's I, I funnily enough, I actually thought I got everything wrong. I found two things I actually got right, so out of everything. So yeah, I'll, wow. I'll hang my hat on that. Now, mate, it might be all the good news that we've got because uh, we're about to just pull out the receipts for what happened last week with <laughs> with the waivers. Yeah, mate. All right. So, Maddie, the results from last week can be summed up perfectly with one song from the hit movie Team America. <clears throat> Everyone has AIDS. AIDS, 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 AIDS. Everyone has AIDS. My QB, AIDS. My tight end, AIDS. My kicker and my defense and my wide receiver, AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. The gays and the straights and the whites and the spades. Everyone has wow. AIDS. That's amazing. I did not think that was going to happen when I woke up this morning. Let me give you the red hot tip. That's terrific. Yeah, I thought busting out my great vocal cords into a, into a song would be a great way to start this podcast. I very quickly went down the Team America movie too, quickly thinking, well, what songs are going to be? Because so many of them would be great right oh, now. But how about that? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just all get together and watch that movie. What an what a absolute yeah, think, masterpiece. <laughs> I think we should. All right, who's your first AIDS candidate and why? <laughs> all right, so a fatal nipple crippling would have been better than the results that these guys gave me. Uh, so I'm going to quickly recap this. Uh, QB, Stafford, 2.62 points. I'm not even going to go into this. Taylor failed. Uh, wide receiver, Jakeem Grant, 2.5 points. Taylor failed. Tight end, Logan Thomas, 1.8 points. Taylor failed. Side note, anyone who got on Taysom Hill, like I mentioned in last week's pod in ESPN leagues, probably won their week. I got him in Get two up. leagues, including a must-win matchup, and it was very handy having two QBs in my starting lineup. Two from two in those yeah. leagues uh, with him scoring well over 20. Unfortunately, they took his tight end status away, but it was worth it for that one week of dominance. Taylor nailed. Giddy up. Giddy up. Uh, defense, Vikings, two. Fantastic. Taylor failed. Uh, kicker, suck it. 
six. You know, not the worst, but I'm not really calling that a win. Taylor nailed. Uh, my only my only real win, I guess, for the week you could take um, from this poo-poo Smith-Schuster week it was, was the running back position, where my player of the week, Kalen Balage, got 10.6 points. So I guess that's probably one of the two Taylor nails of the entire week. So thank you, Kalen. Uh, that, that gave me some sort of solace in this week. Taylor nailed. I also picked a good Studley team, which I'll, uh, I'll talk about a little bit later. My boldish prediction result, uh, <laughs> the multi-bet. The multi-bet, yes. So uh, yeah, the, tabs, the tabs clean you up if you uh, went with this. Uh, Swift didn't play, so I guess, you know, that one doesn't really count, but it's a great start. Let's drop it down to a three-leg yeah, multi. Yeah, three-leg multi, which also <laughs> shat on your, on your face. Um, Harris started well with a TD, but finished at 43 yards. Uh, Gibson was correct with 94 yards and a TD. Uh, but Duke month looks to be cancelled. Taylor failed. I hate to say it, <laughs> but I'm starting to think you may have taken the wrong Johnson in the third round. Taylor nailed. Oh, yeah, really? I think, I think you might have. 15 yards. Okay. What is that shit? I'm going to write that down for next put, year. Put Shark Week <laughs> back on my TV because my eyes are leaking Matt Ryan's <laughs> porta potty goo after that performance. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus. Yep, and that's pretty much what you probably expected out of me. <laughs> a roundabout. I was going to ask you really gently, but I'm glad you took took full ownership. All that's right. it. Um, I'll move into, like I, like I just mentioned, uh, picking the studliest team of the week, which was Justin. Uh, he scored 126.86, smashing the second place team by a whole 1.56 points. So drilled that. Absolutely <laughs> drilled it. Let's just stick to that for a while. Taylor nailed. Great to, ha- great to have some sun in this shitstorm of a week. I tore, shre- I tore shreds off your team last week for the Dudleyest, and you put up more than my testicle sandwich of a team. So kudos to you for finishing <laughs> 10th on the week and still getting the win, as you seem to do most weeks. Pretty well. I wasn't going to mention it, but thank you for bringing it up. Taylor failed. So let's let's take a deep reach into Philip Rivers' virile sack and find some special humans for week 12, shall we? <laughs> So, Okie dokie, I'm ready QB Again, it's a nightmare at this position My brain is like a kid at Neverland Ranch Watching these guys Getting taken advantage of but without the payoff If Teddy Two Gloves plays I'm taking him against the Vikings team Who couldn't stop a sunburn Happy Meal at quarterback last week <laughs> Running back I'm going to go with James White here Sexy Rexy started to make him irrelevant but with him gone, there's no one to steal his receptions at the running back position, which has proven to be quite valuable, especially with Cam Newton's spectacular ability to turn both his arms into custard at the drop of that. <laughs> I, will, I will mention one other guy. I think he's pretty obvious this week in the Gus bus. Uh, obviously, losing Ingram and J.K. Dobbins makes him a bit of a smash play. Uh, he, I don't like his matchup against the pretty the stout nah. Steelers' rush defense. And Edwards has never shown to be able to take any receptions and do anything in the receiving game. So I feel like his upside's a bit limited there. But I think he's he's got to be considered too. I would mention him there. I just wanted to go someone a little bit different because I feel like Edwards is probably going to go one or two. I think he's just going to be a bit too obvious. Yeah. So And, and the, the important thing is too, those two guys that aren't playing actually have COVID. They weren't just close contacts. They actually have it. So you might get two weeks yeah. um, at you know, at the least, I guess. So you, you just got to keep an eye on it. But yeah, I think he was pretty obvious. So I just went with someone else there. 
wide receiver. I'm going to stick to the top of the list here and go with go with a guy who is in the arseholiest team in the league, but as a QB that all of a sudden has shirked his flaccid ways and is throwing bombs. Because, hey, fuck it, right? We are 0-10. Who gives a shit? It's Brashad Perry. <laughs> he actually won me my dynasty matchup this week. Shout out to Joel for the close matchup. Flourishing Flacco, as I now call him, seems to be all of a sudden have a license to thrill, especially having three quality wide receivers in Perryman, Crowder, and Mims. The Jets are always behind, so they always need to throw, and Perryman is a, th- is a threat all over the field. I like him here against the Cards as long as he doesn't get Patrick Peterson on him. All right. Jesus. Tight end. <laughs> I'm coming off back-to-back goose eggs in my lineup at this position, so I'm sure we are all looking forward to my advice here. Let's go a bit rough, because I can't possibly go worse, can I? Or maybe I'm going to pick you a fumble candidate who gets minus. Let's see if you can guess it, Matty C. I'm going a breakout I'm going a breakout star from last season, whose season came to an abrupt end due to injury. Has come back this year and ended up at the colonoscopy end of a three-way timeshare in a great offense, which hasn't used the tight end much this year, but really has any team outside the Chiefs. The tight end one on this team just went down for the season, so I'm intrigued at whether he can re- rediscover some of his 2019 form. Hmm. One team I can think of who's got the worst three-headed timeshare tight end situation is the Colts. Mm, not quite. And this is a Unless great offense. Talking the, a great offense. I mean, it's Houston. No, I can see how you're getting there, but it's Will Disley. Will yep. Disley? You just touched the very bottom yep. of the river's testy sack. Before Holy you vomit and shit all over yourself, I'm taking you on my potential. If Hollister also wasn't there, I'd be even more intrigued. But at this stage, why not take a shot on Will? He might thrill you. That rhymes and you know it. <laughs> it does rhyme. I do know exactly. it. Exactly. Hit the criteria right there. Yeah, he, he just had such a fantastic year last year. And obviously, he's come in, you know, either they signed Olsen. I think he actually came back from his Achilles earlier than they expected. So, signing Olsen was yeah. a little bit of a backup to him. And then they just sort of rolled with Olsen. And I say that, and Olsen was averaging about 20 yards a game. So, it's not like he was, you know, he doesn't leave behind a huge workload. But I just think that, you know... Wilson might actually rediscover some form Disley. Well, maybe. I mean, G tight end hasn't been a lot going on there for the Seahawks this year. It's all been wider than that, and, and the running game's been great. But gosh, yeah, they're kind of running almost what the Rams offense that Super Bowl year was, where it's all just, it's out wide and it's a running yeah. game. And the tight end, who? What? Tight end? Rams have a tight end. Real dart throw. Know. Real dart throw as that whole. Mate, at yeah, this point, that whole hell. position is just dead to me and dead to most people. Um, I'm done with defense analysis. Yeah. Just do the opposite of what I do. So, <laughs> back my popular demand. My kicker rhyme of the week. <laughs> yes. So. This will be good. Because it obviously went down so well last week. Uh, here we go again. In life and in fantasy football, it's always important to cover up your anus. So, do the right thing and start Denver Broncos kicker, Brendan McManus. <laughs> <laughs> So, wow. So, side note, <laughs> I was up with my son in hospital last night at 3.30 a.m., and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever come up with in my entire life. <laughs> I was chuckling like a school kid for so long, thinking I was so clever. 
because I'm apparently allowed to completely change the way someone pronounces their last name if it helps fit my narrative. I don't know. All the letters That's are there, it. man. I'm going to pay it. All the letters are there. Yeah. I'm sure Brendan <laughs> at the moment is changing his last name to McManus. I'm sure he's doing it right now. <laughs> All right. So Studley versus Dudley. All right. Here we go. Rubbing my hands together. I'm taking Let's another it. shot on Brendox. Like myself, he's wow. had a tough year. Which not with not much luck going his way, but I think his team looks great this week. Watson is ready to take a hot steamy asparagus piss on the Lions defense. Kareem Hunt actually looks better with Chubb back, which I mentioned recently. I believe Carson will finally be back, which will bolster his running back core. Michael Thomas is due a big game, even if Taysom Hill or QB. Golladay is back practicing. I really like Jordan Reed at the tight end position. I think he finishes very strong if he stays healthy. Uh, I'll be targeting him in some other leagues where I'm still alive. Even Jonathan Taylor flashed his preseason credentials last week. Hashtag Team Brendox. Mm. You did? Boom. I mean, you're even just missing out the superstar. Oh, how did I miss Goggles? Goggles McGee. He didn't quite make it into my uh, lovely rhyme of the week, but I might, might, might work on something later. More syllables, the better. So let's move to Dudley. So it's all right, Matt. Not taking apart your team this week. It's all good. We can relax a little. We can relax you a little lesson. bit. Yeah, learn my lesson. lesson. <laughs> I learned my lesson that whoever plays you is probably a good chance of getting it instead of you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So look no further. So... <laughs> His team will definitely have some changes, but at this stage, I'm going to have to go with Ryan at the Cornhuskers. The top three worries me. With the staff infection, is back up to the unfortunate season-ended Joe Burrow. His running backs are Malcolm Brown, and I'd assume Latavius Murray as J.K. Dobbins is on the COVID list. Tyler Boyd worries oh. me with the injury to Burrow, so I see huge downgrade for all the receivers there. Mark Andrews is one of his biggest names, but he gets a very tough matchup against the Steelers. Cause for optimism with Brandon Cooks and Tyreek Hill. The latter is self-explanatory, but Cooks is starting to show the world why I had a Ridley-esque boner for him in the preseason. His rapport with Watson Uh has been getting better every week, and I believe he is their most consistent receiver on that team. Glad I still kept some shares of him in some weeks. I just don't think those two will be able to salvage the low scores from the others. Sorry, Ryan. Cooks gets that deliciously awful Detroit Lions secondary as well. So, I mean, wow. I love those two. Thinking about that. And like I said, I'm playing Brandon Cooks wherever I can. It's just the other guys I just am really not sold on. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, TC, looks like you might walk one in. And (laughs) and all of a sudden... Squazmongers, if he can win this one, will be back into the playoffs for the first time since 2016. What's, what's new for TC oh. with that cakewalk division? <laughs> He's winning the same way I am, to be honest. We've got about the same amount of scoring. You might have tried Zeke, which is, which is interesting for him moving forward. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. I mean, yeah, be interesting. Got a, probably a bit of a buy low candidate on what you can get out of Zeke, though. And I mean, if Dalton starts to show a bit more form, he was, he was all right last week. So, I mean, if he's, if yeah. he's better, if the offense is, you know, at least getting somewhere near 60 to 70% of when Dak was there, you know, he actually might be still good enough to actually uh, win, you a, win you a league. So we'll wait and see. All good, brother. I'm going to let you go. You've been awesome. Catch you. Sweet. Bye. I'll catch you later, brother. Haskins has just been an absolute turd. You could be understood for being, you know, skittish about that. Take Fournette out of the lineup. Yeah, mate, I had a Ron Jeremy size boner going for in there. <laughs> Your in-depth knowledge of what it's like to be boned this year. We're just going to have to realise that he's just... Playing like a ginger piece of shit. This is Taylor Nailed, I've got to say. All right, it's always great to catch up with Taylor, but we are out of here. 
Uh, that is the Thursday show all wrapped up. We'll be back on Saturday with a great chat with the sheriff. We're back on usual schedule with the sheriff. And we're going to talk about some great subjects too. We're going to talk about what it's like to be in a league where you don't make the playoffs and how to sort of keep engaged with the league even though you aren't in the championship bracket. If your league does anything that's interesting around that too, make sure you hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Astro League Podcast. There's always a lot to learn from other leagues and they may be things that we can incorporate in our league, but if you have anything that's a little bit of a quirk about what happens for teams who are outside of the playoff bracket, whether it be there be some sort of prize for people who score more points or whether there be some sort of strategy that teams who are outside of the playoffs can employ or even if there's some sort of punishment as well, hit us up, leave a message and let us know. We are NFL, we are Fantasy and we are Aussie here at the Astro League Podcast and we are out of here. Thanks so much and we'll see you on Saturday. Play Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Matty C.